0: New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. Blue Wire. I'm a bit sad. Actually, I'm lying. I'm quite devastated. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a somber edition of The Rebuild. I'm Henry Ettinger, coming to you early on a Tuesday morning. Guys, I'll just be honest with you. I couldn't bring myself to record a pod last night after the game. I was heartbroken. I was devastated. I was tired. And the plan was to do that. But after the game, I was sitting there a little bit numb and and I just couldn't do it. So decided I was going to sleep on it and come to y'all this morning. And so that's what I'm doing here. Coffee to my left. Early on this Tuesday, Browns fall to the Ravens 47 42 on Monday Night Football. And look, this game can really only be described as a devastating loss for the Browns. That's what it was. They did a great job battling with the Ravens all night. I know ESPN this morning called it the game of the year already, but it was in a huge, Huge loss, unfortunately, for the Browns in prime time against the Ravens. Pretty much ruined their chances of winning the AFC North unless the Pittsburgh Steelers lose to the Joe Burrow-less Cincinnati Bengals next week. It was a little bit of an opportunity for the Browns to get over that hump, both with the Ravens as a team and to kind of show the nation, hey, we're back, we're here. And unfortunately, they were not able to do that in a winning fashion. And now, I'm not going to be all sunshine and rainbows on this podcast. Uh, and There are two sides of the football. And we'll get to the bad side of the football for the Browns in this game. But but I do want to start on a positive note. Obviously, all losses are not created equal. And for those who say that they are, that there are no moral victories... Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. I'm sorry. I have nothing for you. I just don't. I I don't believe that. I believe in context and all of those things. And of course, winning the game would have been better. Trust me. I sat in my chair for like 15 minutes yesterday after the game was over. I couldn't even move. I was so heartbroken. And I didn't even play the game. I was just a fan. And so I'm sure other Browns fans felt that way. This game was incredible. But also excruciating. However, my my takeaway once I slept on it, and I'm glad that I did, was this. Browns fans, our team last night showed something that should be encouraging for you. What I have always hoped and dreamed to see out of my Browns teams is... Simply this: I, I want them to reflect Cleveland. I want them to reflect Cleveland. And look, AFC North football, Cleveland football—it's tough. It's hard-nosed, and and we've talked about this before on the show. You know, a, a Browns team should be tough in the running game. It should be tough on the lines. All of that. But look, there's another side. To toughness. That's not physical toughness. And we've had teams that are physically tough before. But this team, to me, showed something different last night. Mental toughness. This team showed a mental toughness unlike really anything, frankly, I've ever seen as a younger Browns fan. I've talked about this before on the pod. I don't remember the glory years of the 80s. I don't. I don't remember the 90s before the team left for Baltimore. And so for me... This The toughness showed mentally from this team was unlike anything I'd ever seen. It really was. And it starts with coming into the game. Look, Browns fans, we've all been there before where we've had a, a lot of hype surrounding a game, especially a national TV game. And the Browns have come in and laid a it neck. It's happened so many times in our past where they haven't even shown up for the game and After a huge win last week against the Titans, after seeing a lot of positive press this week, a lot of, oh, hey, Baker's actually playing a lot better this year. Oh, Kevin Stefanski might have this thing figured out in Cleveland. Look what's going on over there. The Browns came in laser focused. They played really strong football out of the gate, came down, scored on that first drive, and that was Really positive to see. No reading of the press clippings, none of that. They came in, they showed up. Well then, hey, the Ravens, as a good football team would, came back and punched them in the mouth. And they're down 21-14 at halftime in a game that they probably should have been leading or, or closer to tied after that first half. And the Ravens come out and score to start the second half. They go up 14. And you start to see some people tweet out uh-oh, are the Browns falling apart, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. No, Come right back down and answer. Score, 28-20. Okay, then, next possession. After a stop, Baker throws a, a pretty bad interception. It was a great play. It was a great play by the Ravens, but also a pretty bad interception. And, boom, Ravens score again, 34-20. Uh-oh, is Baker back to throwing interceptions, to making bad decisions, It was a great half, but is he going to keep it up? Yep. No worries. No panic. Come back down. Score again. Toughness. Mental toughness. That's what this team showed. And then, hey, at the end of the game, Lamar Jackson comes back. Movie, storybook ending. Throws a touchdown on his first play in on fourth down. Ravens take the lead. Minute and 50 seconds to go. Browns have been shocked, how are they going to respond? 47-second TD drive. Boom, right down the field, right down scored, tied the game. So look, yeah, Justin Tucker made a 55-yard field goal. We almost scored too fast. It was all for nothing, all of that. But, but, Browns fans, that toughness has got to make you a little proud, doesn't it? Made me a little proud this morning as I reflected back on this game a little bit more in what I wanted to say on this podcast is I've never believed in the Browns' ability to do that before. And they had me believing last night that they were going to get off the mat. And they did. Three separate times. Down 28-14, down 34-20 after the Baker interception, and then on that last possession, three extremely mentally tough drives. Where no panic, they just did their thing, came right back, and and answered the call. So, that to me was the most positive thing from this game. And I know it hurts, Browns fans. It hurts for me too. But I just, I wanted to start the podcast on that note. Because I thought it was actually the biggest takeaway from this game. And look, that, that toughness... It may not come up this season again, maybe not even next season, but at some point, that mental toughness, when you're in the thick of a playoff game, when you're in a Super Bowl, potentially, as I hope the Browns will be in the next few years, you need that. The best teams have that. We've looked at a Steelers team that's had that for years. We've looked at a Ravens team that's had that for years. And guess what? We have that now. With the Browns. All right. That was my opening thoughts on the game. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. And then I'm actually going to talk a lot more about the defense. Some of the negatives. Uh, We got to touch on that stuff too, Browns fans. And we'll talk a little bit more in depth about Baker and Kevin Stefanski as well. But first, let's take that quick break and hear from our sponsors. This episode of The Rebuild is brought to you by Bet Online. Well, I couldn't be at the game last night. You can still get in on the action at, at Bet Online. And it was a wild cover by the Ravens there with the Browns lateral at the end of the game. I know that cost a lot of Browns fans out there money who had action on the Browns. But hey, Bet Online is going to go the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, coach, and player props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. I made a bunch of different wagers this week on Bet Online, like the Bills scoring against the Steelers. I bet specifically on how many points the Bills were going to score, hit on that over. I did not hit on a Cole Beasley prop for receiving yards, but you can do all that and more at Bet Online. And. You can wager in all 50 states, which is key if you're traveling around the holidays this year. You can wager from anywhere on BetOnline. So make sure you go there today and take full advantage of all their great sign-up bonuses. Just don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE when you do so. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. This episode of The Rebuild is also brought to you by Indeed. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient right now, which means every hire is critical and Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site according to Comscore. And unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. So you only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now... Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria so that you can contact them the moment your job appears, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. So right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now, Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. All right, and we're back here on the rebuild. Browns lose to the Ravens 47-42 on Monday Night Football. And started the podcast on a positive note, but... Look, when it comes to the offensive and defensive side of the football, we got to start with the defense. I'm a bad news first kind of guy. You know, if they say, do you want the good news or the bad news first? I want the bad news first. And so let's start with the defense. The The, the fundamental thing here is the Browns could not contain Lamar Jackson at all. And it happened in, in two different ways. In the first half it was a lot of Lamar Jackson dropping back to throw and then scrambling, right? I think all all Browns fans saw that, that Lamar had seven carries for 77 yards and two touchdowns in the first half. And most of that was was on scramble. It wasn't on design runs. You know, he had that run for the touchdown that they showed over and over on the broadcast. It was man-to-man coverage. Nobody saw Lamar take off and, and boom, touchdown. And... That is a combination of things. It's, number one, that a lot of that just, frankly, comes down to discipline. Somebody has got to contain him. Your defensive ends, if they're going to rush the passer, can't get too far inside and let him escape. If you're going to play man coverage, somebody's got to get their head around and look at the quarterback. Carl Joseph and B.J. Goodson both can't follow the same guy for that long, etc. Those kind of things kill you when you're playing a dynamic quarterback like Lamar Jackson. And look, he's a unicorn in some ways in the fact that, yes, he's not that great of a passer right now, especially right now. He's struggling. But when he drops back to pass with the weapons they have in the middle of the field, like a Mark Andrews, and that that you have to still pay attention to, you have got to be able to contain him on his scrambles. And the Browns could not do that. The second way it happened was in the second half, they really just killed the Browns on the ground with Lamar Jackson. It was zone read for the most part. Uh, uh, Gus Edwards also and J.K. Dobbins thrived in that second half. And and that part came also down to discipline and and tackling. On that big Lamar Jackson run, it was an awful play by Miles Garrett. And and we're going to talk about him more later, but they just didn't play that play correctly. And if they had, they, they wouldn't have had that game get ripped off like that uh, on them to start the second half. And so they were just really what it came down to was a combination of a lack of discipline and awful tackling. Frankly, it was bad tackling. And I know Joe Woods is getting a lot of heat for his game plans, but you know what Joe Woods can't do? He can't make Mac Wilson tackle the ball carrier. And, and I don't want to pick on Mac because it wasn't only him, but he played an awful game. He, he was horrible. he, He missed that tackle on the Gus Edwards touchdown that they pointed out on the broadcast, but there were several other times he overran the play. He couldn't wrap up, and it wasn't just him. B.J. Goodson, I thought, had a pretty terrible game, and our secondary, given Lamar's weaknesses, had a pretty terrible game as well. There was the defensive pass interference on the first drive that probably cost the Browns a touchdown, There were a couple other instances where Lamar didn't take advantage. The overthrow to Mark Andrews in the second half comes to mind where, look, Mark Andrews burned Andrews and Dale by about five yards, and Lamar just overthrew him. So Browns got away with one there. Of course, the last play uh, with Lamar is throwing it on fourth down when he came back towards the end of the game. Obviously not the last play, but uh, the last play of that drive when he came back in on fourth down and, and... Burned the Browns deep over the top. All that was a result of lack of discipline. And then, frankly, our our safeties and our linebackers got destroyed in the open field by Lamar. They could not tackle him. And that's been a concern for the Browns all season. But it really reared its ugly head in this game, unlike it has really in any game all season. It it just—they couldn't stop him. And— it was disheartening to see because the Browns have a lot of experience playing against Lamar Jackson. They obviously had a game plan to come in that didn't really work. Joe Wood certainly isn't blameless either. There's got to be some coaching here. The way they came out and didn't contain him at all, it just made no sense to me in terms of what they were doing. All of that was a concern for sure with with everything that happened. And I, I just... It was it was disappointing uh, to say the least, and frankly, the other really disappointing thing—and it's not fair to put it all on him—is where was Miles Garrett in this game? And I know he got banged up a little bit in that first half, but look, we knew the defense wasn't perfect. I think all Browns fans can acknowledge our defense has not been the strength of the team this year by any means, but. It does have a lot of playmakers on the defensive side of the football. And I thought Olivier Vernon and Sheldon Richardson played fine games. I thought they actually played pretty decently. But really, there was no impact plays from Miles Garrett. He, he got a couple pressures, but no sacks. He couldn't get Lamar down. And they needed him in this game. This is a game against an elite offense where, especially with Denzel Ward out in the secondary, you know the Browns are going to struggle to cover a little bit back there. The linebackers have been the weakness of this team, in my opinion, all season. Garrett was a no-show in a time that the Browns needed him the most. So that was the most disappointing part of, of the defensive effort, in my opinion. It, it, they just they they didn't show up and giving up, you know, I'll say 45 points because the last two, sure, Uh, You can blame on the offense, and I would blame on the offense, but the rest of it was pretty disheartening from a performance side uh, on the Browns' defense, and it's not going to get any easier. You look at the best teams in the AFC, not a lot of bad offenses there. Pittsburgh throws the ball a lot. Kansas City, we all know what that offense can do. Buffalo, they look fantastic and have, in my opinion, one of the top three offensive coordinators in the league. So if the Browns are going to win against the the top of the AFC, this defense is going to have to play better. Miles Garrett's going to have to play better. They are going to have to tackle way better. Carl Joseph also really struggled in this game tackling. And they're going to have to find a way to cover in the secondary. And hopefully Denzel Ward can solve part of that if he's able to come back here in the next couple weeks. But... Man, and they they said it on the broadcast, giving up 124 yards and two touchdowns to Lamar Jackson when you know that's his strength. Allowing him to set the Monday night football record for rushing yards from a quarterback. When you know he wants to run the football. That hurts. That hurts. And so that was, that's the reason the Browns lost the game. I I saw a couple people blaming Cody Parkey, and yes, he missed a chip shot field goal, but... Look, kicks kicks getting missed happens. Giving up 45 points does not happen all that often. And the Browns could not, could not get off the field. Now, the the silver lining to this being, number one, Denzel Ward's going to come back. Hopefully, the secondary will improve with his presence. It, it will improve with his presence. Uh, to what degree, really, is the question. And And secondly, although Lamar torched them and that was disappointing... Outside of Lamar, you're probably not going to see a quarterback like that the rest of the season. Uh, That's dynamic like that. Josh Allen moves his feet a little bit. Big Ben obviously has a... Big Ben obviously has a a different kind of mobility in the way he he can't get brought down easily, but he's not scrambling around and going to break contained and all that. So... On that side of things, you're not going to face somebody as dynamic as Lamar, again, unless you play the Ravens again. But, man, disappointing. Disappointing from that side of the football. And the back and forth and how great the offense was almost covered it up a little bit, in my opinion, How just how bad our defense was. All right. Good news now. Good news time. The offense. I was almost... More impressed with Baker Mayfield this week than last week. And I know that sounds crazy, given the fact that he put up some all-time stats in the first half last week. And all of that, four touchdowns, uh, over 200 yards in the first half. He was awesome. He was. But, they pointed this out on the broadcast, and I thought it was a fair point. A lot of those plays were against air. The Titans' defense isn't good. He was comfortable all game. They're terrible at getting pressure on the quarterback. Their secondary was bad and banged up. Easy money for Baker Mayfield. That was fantastic. And it was great to see him take advantage of that. I'm not saying it wasn't. And that showed a lot of the markings of an elite quarterback. But in this game, Baker Mayfield was tested. And tested a lot. The Ravens are not the Tennessee Titans. They get pressure on the quarterback. They have Defensive playmakers on their team. And Baker responded to the challenge. He was blitzed a, a season high 58% of his dropbacks in the first half. Highest percentage of his entire career. 58% of dropbacks. The Ravens brought blitzes. Incredible number. Really high. And Baker delivered. He delivered. If they played zone behind it, boom. Found the guy in the soft spots. If they played man, found his hot read. He was awesome and i i really I thought he' delivered strikes all over the field all night, deep passes, intermediate, short. He really didn't have any of those misses you know where the receiver was open all night long i i I can't even really think of one and so i I thought the takeaway from this game was on the offensive side of the football was man Baker continues to develop, continues to impress this combination of him and Kevin Stefanski. The Browns are an elite offense. And I think a lot of people would have said coming into the last couple weeks, well, the Browns are an elite running offense, but they're limited by Baker. I really don't think that's the case anymore. The game plan for this week was... First quarter, we're going to throw the football. We're going to be dynamic in our passing game. Baker was great, again, on play action. But they set up out of the shotgun. They went empty set and said, hey, we'll throw the ball on you all night long. Your corners are, are the weakness of your team. You saw them attack Devontae Harris all night. Fine. We're, we're confident in our receivers. We're confident in Baker. And Kevin Stefanski and Baker did that all night. I thought Baker just delivered strikes all over the field. And yes, he made one bad throw on the interception. It was also a great play uh, uh, by the Ravens linebacker as well, and they pointed it out on the broadcast. I thought Baker saw him and just thought he was going to beat him with a throw, and he didn't. But also, though, sticking out with one hand and then picking that ball off. It was a nice play, and it was a mistake from Baker. But, one bad throw all night, really. I thought he for the rest of the night didn't have anything that I really nitpicked and he recovered from that interception and frankly I thought the difference in this game was Baker operated really well from the pocket we've seen a lot of rollouts from Baker Mayfield this season a lot especially to his left side all that you know but a lot of this game was Baker dropping back or sitting in the shotgun and dealing his pocket footwork I thought was great his pocket accuracy I thought was great he had one or two batted balls but other than that I thought he, he played one of his best games from the pocket I've seen in a long, long time from him. So, really all positives from him. I, I, I'm not going to rip him from that interception. I thought he recovered nicely. Look, Patrick Mahomes got picked off three times this weekend. Russell Wilson had a multi-interception game weeks ago. It's going to happen. He's not going to go the rest of the season without throwing an interception. And I thought he showed me another step. Tonight, it feels like every week he's getting better. And so uh, that's the most positive thing for this team is if Baker's going to continue to show improvement under Kevin Stefanski, man, this team this team's ceiling is so high because they've got great foundational pieces on the offensive and defensive line. They've got some weapons. That's they, They've got the components of an elite team if Baker Mayfield's going to be that level of quarterback. And he he's showing it to me. Week by week, he's getting better. I've said it on this podcast. What I wanted to see from Baker Mayfield was improvement this year. Didn't have much of an offseason. Kevin Stefanski and him, new pairing. Well, how is he going to develop throughout the season? And if you look at the trajectory, how he looked in the first couple weeks versus how he's looked the last couple, boy, I mean, that's hard to argue against his improvement, right? Hard to argue really anything else at this point for the Baker doubters out there. So, And, and... Finally, you know, the last thing I want to say about Baker Mayfield, got a little swagger back. And I, it's clear to me that, that that Titans game helped him get that swagger back. But Baker is one of those players to me that he plays his best when when he's feeling himself a little bit, right? And he was feeling himself in 2018. And I think you saw that in 2019, he wasn't. And, and that almost manifests itself in his play, right? He leaves the pocket early, doesn't feel comfortable back there tonight. Felt as comfortable as could be in the pocket. Even with all the blitzes, all the pressure, he just felt where it was coming from. Took what the defense gave him, whether that was a three-yard scramble, a short pass, a deep shot, all that. He felt comfortable. And that swag is trans translates to the rest of the team. And it's great to see out of Baker Mayfield. And so when the Browns come down, look, they're down seven points that last drive. I don't know about you guys, but I felt confident. And, and look, Ultimately, it didn't end up mattering because they give up the game-winning field goal, but t- that two-minute drive was some elite stuff. Great throw to Donovan Peoples-Jones. Great job uh, taking what the defense gave him, and then it was a short pass to Kareem Hunt that ultimately led to the touchdown, where, once again, just sat back and, and delivered where he was supposed to. So, all thumbs up for me on Baker Mayfield, and on Kevin Stefanski. He uh, on his side of things, look, he came out with Baker early, aggressive, and then it was like, oh, second quarter, let's mix in our run variants. Let's get our, let's get Nick Chubb going. Let's get Kareem Hunt going. Second half, all right, let's lean on them a little bit more. Let's. Uh, he made some great adjustments against the blitz as well. Just crushing Devontae Harris with Rashard Higgins for the most part. Just attacking that matchup relentlessly. It was a a fantastic call, uh, game. Again, from him, from an offensive play calling perspective, he's he's dialed in with Baker Mayfield in this offense right now. I'm not sure how you can say anything but positive things for this offense. They scored 40, uh well, 42 against a, a solid defense. Now the Ravens might not be a top five defense, but look, they got a lot of good players and a very proud team and a good defensive scheme. And in the Browns, after scoring six points in Week One, came back and put up 42. That's got to feel good on that side of things. So ultimately, look, as I said, didn't matter. Browns lost, but that side is the good news. All right, so where do we go from here, Browns fans? Browns are now 9-4. and four. They are still the 5 seed in the AFC, but look, the pressure's on now. Pressure is on now. They have to rebound against the Giants next week because the Ravens sit one game behind them. The Ravens have Jacksonville next week. So got to figure that's a victory. And then they have the Giants and another easy game left on their schedule. Uh, is I'm going to look it up right now. I think it's the Bengals, but I, I just want to be sure. Yeah, Giants, Bengals. So the Ravens have a real good chance of winning out right now. And obviously own the tiebreaker with the Browns. So Browns, a lot of pressure to win uh, against the Giants next Sunday. And I think they're, if they want to have that five seed, they're going to need to. Now, Miami's also eight and five. They've got a little bit more difficult of a schedule with the Raiders and Patriots left on theirs. So uh, job's not done by any means. Job is not done. Browns own the tiebreaker with the Colts and Titans, but Hey, those teams are both nine and four, two as well. So a lot of football left to be played. I feel pretty good about the Browns chances. I'm not saying that, but they have to bounce back quickly because this Giants team, we saw two weeks ago when they beat the Seahawks. They also have quite the defense. They are going to test the Browns in a lot of different ways. This is not a game the Browns can take lightly. And look, the, the 5 seed matters because I feel pretty good about the Browns going to Tennessee and winning. I feel pretty good about the Browns, you know, if it's Buffalo or the Colts as well. But you start creeping up into that 6-7 seed territory. Then you get the Chiefs. Maybe you get the, the Bills. As I said, that's probably the one I actually feel second worst about. So really would love to avoid them if at all possible. And, and frankly, look, you got to make the playoffs first. Now, I think with the Jets on the schedule, there, there's a decent chance there for the Browns. But these next two games are not—they they need to be wins. And the Giants one in particular, they, the Browns are going to get tested next week. They have to have a short memory. They have to put this one behind them. And if what I started the podcast is true— If their mental toughness really is there like I think it is, I think they're going to be able to do that, but they're going to need to. Uh, That's going to do it for this edition of the rebuild. I'm going to have a Giants preview later this week. I'm hoping to bring on a guest from Blue Wire uh, to break that down with me. We've got a great Giants podcast and, and some really interesting stuff to talk about there with their defense this season, perhaps comparing Andrew Thomas, uh yeah, the Giants left tackle with Gendrick Wills, I think would be there there's plenty of interesting discussion points there around the Giants and Browns. Hey, even old friend Colt McCoy was playing for them two weeks ago. So wanna hear from those guys about how they feel about their team and in this preview here because this is, as I said, extremely, extremely important one for the Browns. All right, Browns fans. That's gonna do it for us here. But until next time, I'd love to hear from you on Twitter. I'm at Henry underscore Ettinger. What were some other classic Browns games that you can think of the last 10 or 15 years? That one was was right up there for me. But yeah, and if you were at the game too, kudos to all the Browns fans that were there. You guys were, were so loud for the capacity that was there. Really, really made me proud. So if you were there, also please feel free to hit me up on Twitter. I'd love to, to give you some kudos as well. Always love talking and commiserating. With the fan base, and it was a tough one last night. It absolutely was. And hey, if you're enjoying the podcast as well, please subscribe, rate, review. It it does wonders for us. This podcast is performing really well lately. So shout out to all the rebuild listeners out there. You guys are awesome, And, and I hope you guys are enjoying the content. Let's commiserate together. Let's bounce back with the team. I'm a little heartbroken this morning. I'm sure you are too, but it's not all bad. That was a hell of a game. And at least the the Browns really came out and, and did us proud. So until next time, everybody go Browns.